0: Hey friends, we are your hosts, Leanne and Llewellyn, and welcome back to the One with Friends podcast. We are solo today. It's just us two. Us. We're all alone. <laughs> I won't sing. That's it. That'll be the extent of my singing abilities. Well, in order to give Llewellyn a little bit more time to think of her life update, I'm going to go ahead. Mine will be real quick. I just got back from Phoenix last week. Um, We went up there. My mom would have turned 60 on the 22nd of February. So we, because of our turnaround time in California, and we all needed to get back to all of our jobs and stuff because none of us lived there. We didn't really have like a, you know, burial or, you know, cremaine scattering type of thing. And so we just decided to make a big deal out of her 60th birthday because she always made a big deal celebrating our milestones. And so we went out there, drove up to where our old cabin was. And um, there's this little memorial for my uh, youngest sister who had passed, um, I mean, forever ago, but we figured that because there's a memorial out there, it would be a good resting place for my mom. So we just got back from that. Um, it was good seeing some family, hanging out with my sister, of course again, and um, just getting back into the swing of things for work and life back in Nashville. So, Llewellyn, does that give you enough time?
1: <laughs> I was so like focused on listening to your update. I'm like, what? Is, what is even in my life right now? <laughs> um goodness. Okay, how is it already March? Is what I. Wanted. I know. Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, I guess I could give like a, a pre-life, like pre what's happening this month. Um, next week, I'm actually flying down to Florida. Uh, me and both of my brothers, as well as my niece and my nephew are all going to fly to Florida to spend um, my brother's birthday together. Um, my brother who had passed last May, his birthday is this month. And we're just going to kind of get together we actually got like a a dolphin um sightseeing cruise for. oh
0: my gosh how fun yeah
1: for just our family so it's like a private cruise um
0: yes
1: we're gonna do that in the afternoon and we haven't really decided what we're gonna do that night my mom really wants to set off those like luminary like light things but they're kind of illegal (laughs) um Mm. with like uh the open water and all that stuff in Florida so we're not sure if we can do that but she wants to do something and since we're all going to be together it's like the perfect time so um that's kind of like been my focus you know after yeah. like I feel like after you set like after you buy a plane ticket you're like all right I'm in vacation mode like I just need to get there <laughs> that's so true so um yeah I'm looking forward to that and then my brothers leave um they're only there for a couple of days and then I'm going to spend another week with my mom, um, just us girls. So I'm looking forward to that and everything else in, you know, up here in Michigan is cold, Mm -hmm. cold, like single digits, cold um, and snowy. So, you know, nothing super exciting is happening in Michigan, except we're open now. We finally have, well, somewhat, we finally can go into a restaurant. So, Nice. Exciting. That's That's awesome. The extent of the excitement here.
0: Go figure that both of us one would experience major loss in 2020 and the year completely suck. And then two, that their birthdays would be so close. I did not realize that their birthdays were that close and that we'd both be doing something for (laughs) their birthdays (laughs) within like a two week period of each other. So that's kind of crazy yeah the only time Llewellyn and myself like update each other with life is pretty much when we're recording the podcast so
1: (laughs) I know it's the only time we really see each other anymore it's so
0: true it's because we record so much at the same time that then in between we're like we don't want to see each other we don't want to talk to each other (laughs) just kidding (laughs) I'm just kidding but it was kind of nice because we had um two-star podcast. Uh, We split those episodes over the last two weeks. So you guys got the um, full version of our last chat with them, which was obviously mainly about friends, but we know them well at this point enough. We know them enough to know that it quickly gets off topic in random, you know, rabbit trails and all of that so we decided just to give you guys the whole bit as opposed to teasing it like we did last time and having you guys go over there so we hope you guys enjoyed our um our feature on the two-star podcast and then they were of course very um kind to share their audio with us they're just four guys living over in the uk That talk about a variety of topics so as a reminder go over and follow two star podcast give them two stars I think that's their thing and um and yeah give them a listen because they are they are a riot and it is it's been fun trying to learn their humor because British humor is different than American humor and I sort of feel like an idiot every time (laughs) Every time that we talk to them, because I feel like I just keep throwing out different jokes and different sarcasm levels to see what hits their funny bone. And it seems like every time I think I have a formula down, the next time I try it, it's all different. Like it's all changed. So I can't quite pin them down. But, anyways, it's been fun. We've enjoyed it. Um, And so we hope you guys enjoyed the last two weeks with Two Star. But now we are back and ready to get into the game for this episode which is the one where Dr. Ramore dies. Lou Ellen, give us the episode recap. Yes, so yeah. this week we watched Did You like that transition. <laughs> That's pretty good, right? That was pretty <laughs> yeah,
1: thanks. <laughs> All right, so this week we watched the one where Dr. Ramore dies. So sad. So sad.
0: Joey,
1: yeah, Joey's so Character looks set to be killed off after Joey makes some contentious remarks to a fan magazine. Meanwhile, Monica and Richard have their first argument.
0: Ooh. All right. So essentially, the soft open is just the gang watching the show together. So it's pretty, you know, pretty normal. They're all cheering him on. He, you know, cracks a joke and then he essentially tells them what's happening throughout the rest of the show when it goes to like a commercial break Mm -hmm. and then of course it's the most ridiculous storyline as is every soap he finds like what an emerald of something or something and it's huge but of course it's cursed and so Chandler sort of makes that joke like god that that's good tv and of course it's like you know that's the worst tv ever but you know because it's soap opera east so anyways um any comments about that? That was so fast and so kind of generic.
1: No, I just, I love, I love how like involved they are with his like mm. show. Like, even though it is a terrible show, they're all <laughs> like so supportive.
0: You're right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They, they do show themselves as very loyal friends in this instance because they are, they are like constantly like, edifying him like building him up you know just watching with him they make it a a thing they do as a whole friend group in order order to show support so yeah you're absolutely right yeah um we go into the main episode and we we walk we kind of you know clue in on the guy's apartment and Chandler is wanting Phoebe to play this foosball table with him and I just had this thought while we were watching it like we don't get a lot of phoebe chandler in like solo like connection a lot do we
1: no not really
0: not without like the context of the rest of the friends they obviously might exchange dialogue but like for them to be hanging out just the two of them just seems weird to me
1: yeah it is different because i feel like in that like when you think of phoebe with anyone if they're not with the if she's not with the girls like i think of her with joey Cause that's like, yes, he gravitates towards like her with just Chandler or her with just Ross is like, you don't see it very often.
0: You're absolutely right. Yep. That's right. I didn't think about that, but yeah, he, she normally goes towards him if it's an individual storyline, like them at the cafe or, you know, whatever they get thrown together in a lot of like random storylines too, with, especially when Ursula comes onto the scene. Um, But really Chandler, you know, kind of divulges divulges tells (laughs) phoebe (laughs) that he's starting to show a little hesitation with eddie like maybe they're not connecting and then phoebe just kind of inserts herself into their relationship she throws something or you know makes a really loud noise and eddie has to come out asking what it was says hey do you want to like drink some beers and hang with us oh but i have to go to my story reading group. And so she completely bails on them. And it, you know, Chandler's not too happy about it, but it breaks to commercial. You know, we can tell it breaks to commercial and comes back, and the guys are bonding. They're, you know, telling their stories, they're, you know, joking, laughing, drinking some beers. And then all of a sudden, Eddie un- unravels <laughs> with a breakup story. And he's trying to keep it lighthearted with his crazy Eddie laugh, but he's, he's like, you can see the crazy in his eyes at this moment. And I think it's in this moment, you realize that Eddie is a hot mess.
1: (laughs) That's saying it nicely.
0: (laughs) Saying it very nicely. What was your thought of like them, like jabbing about each other, you know, like connecting for the first time and then hearing that story of his ex
1: yeah I think it was um like it was cool to see or you you could kind of see Chandler like almost like letting go like okay yeah like this this is what I'm used to this feels normal you know like they're just like talking back and forth and they even bonded over like what is the capital of Cambodia and they're like well it's obviously not this like you know just their like guy banter but then like you said like you could hear in his voice how in eddie's voice just like how he like like the inflection just kept getting like more and more and more like intense and chandler's like whole demeanor just switched to like oh my gosh what is happening (laughs) and he like i'm pretty sure like matthew perry is incredible at like facial expressions i feel like so Mm -hmm. you could just tell like the whole scene he went from like super relaxed and chill to like um i feel like i'm about to be murdered by this guy Yes, (laughs)
0: like he's going to start considering locking his personal door when he goes to sleep. Yes. Yeah. Okay. What's really funny about this is that the capital of Cambodia is Phnom Penh, which can obviously easily be misheard as Sean Pen. So it's it's spelled P-H-N-O-M, so Phnom, and then Penh, P-E-N-H. So they didn't like get it too far off. So that joke in there you know, she thought the capital of Cambodia was Sean Penn. Um, It's, it's kind of like really close together. So that was a good joke on the writer's behalf. And then of course, speaking of Sean Penn, we obviously will see him several seasons from now in a two episode storyline for his character, Eric. So we'll, um, we'll kind of, you know, loop back around to Sean Penn in several seasons from now, but I just had to bring that in. So we cut over to the cafe And the gang's all hanging out at the cafe. And Monica essentially invites Richard over to her place for the night. And, you know, Ross is kind of behind the scenes, sort of like, you can tell he's probably going to be really uncomfortable with it. He's like, you know, ladies and gentlemen, my sister, Monica, because she's you know, doing her little flirty thing that you would do with somebody that you're inviting to sleep over. And he doesn't have any of his stuff with him. And of course he's not going to need it because what are they going to be doing all night? Not being dressed in pajamas. (laughs) So, um, but Phoebe decides to chime in and say that out of all the many, many, many guys that Monica has been with that Richard is her favorite. So of course, Richard takes that you know, you know, pretty funny. Um, but also mentions like, you know, Phoebe thinks I'm her favorite and Monica says, Phoebe's crazy. And then Rachel chimes in and says, Phoebe's dead. (laughs) Like she like girl code, she knows what's up and what Phoebe just did to that relationship, because that is not something that you want, you know, displayed in a megaphone to your, you know, brand new boyfriend who you are falling head over heels for. Right.
1: Okay, before we go past this cafe scene, Rachel's blazer that she was wearing was, I'm not somebody that typically goes for like, like multicolored things, but Mm -hmm. blazer was incredible and I want it
0: so bad. I'm so mad that I didn't look at it and now I'm on IMDB. Be, like immediately looking for pictures because I want to see it so bad you always catch this and
1: I don't get it's it surprising for me but it's it's funny because as I was like looking at them, because when the first came to that scene it showed Phoebe singing and then the two couples were on the couch and oh
0: I see it interesting I Llewellyn
1: I thought I feel like my thought was whatever Rachel's wearing that that entire outfit could be worn right now and you would not like she looked like she came right out of this time which it
0: shows that 90s
1: fashion is coming back
0: yeah for sure I'm looking at it right now she's got like the white tank top underneath and kind of like mid to light colored jeans yeah actually in the slope picture you realize the jean color is the same as what Richard's wearing which is kind of funny just in a still shot but yeah it's got these like weird design patterned it's like the code of many colors <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good catch on that Llewellyn that's you're right you could find that at a thrift store right now and rock it completely yeah. that's awesome uh back at the guy's apartment the door the the doorbell rings or, or someone knocks and so Chandler opens up and finds out that it's tilly who is showing up to drop off the fish tank and they sort of like bond over the weirdness with eddie like they have a very quick moment where he's realizing like oh yes isn't he a little intense and then before they can really get into it uh he shows up Mm -hmm. and the exchange is really quick eddie makes it very awkward for all involved and then Tilly leaves and immediately Eddie accuses Chandler of sleeping with Tilly, even though she's been there for 2.5 seconds. Right. Um, his, his, his crazy is coming unhinged and he's very accusatory towards Chandler. Yeah. Uh. And that's pretty much it i mean they sort of just you know they 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 get into it and 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 we'll see it kind of come back around but it's the very beginning of that part of the storyline so over in the cafe phoebe joey comes like you know barreling in uh and phoebe's there of course here we go you know joey and phoebe like you said yeah. um phoebe reads about joey in the reader's digest and uh uh oh, <laughs> Joey says that he writes most of his own lines, and when when he kind of explains it or expounds on that to Phoebe, it's it's not exactly how he made it sound. Right. He just sort of inverted the way it was saying. It made me think of like remember back in like you know high school where you needed to write a sentence. And if you couldn't remember how to spell a word, you completely inverted your sentence so that you could use a different word so that you knew you could spell it right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what made me think like, it's almost like Joey couldn't remember the exact line, but he knew the, the, the idea of it. And so he said, this woman's you know, not going to live as opposed to saying this woman's going to die and it's the same concept, but he took that, you know, with all liberties and said, I, I write a lot of my own lines. Yeah. And of course that's not going to fly with the writer because obviously the writers are paid for what they do and they are very good at their job. And, um, he is not a huge fan of, uh, joey you know mentioning that little you know idea that he's the writer and um okay so little fun fact here james e riley the writer who wrote joey's character out after he read that soap opera digest that joey wrote most of his own lines he was a writer for days of our lives as well as general hospital and The Young and the Restless. He was the head writer in the majority of the Days of Our Lives episodes from 1992 to 2006. Um, Riley died October 12th, 2008 at the age of 60 from complications after cardiac surgery. So the one who is... You know, casted in that moment as the writer, really was the writer from those days from 92 to 2006 when Joey would have been on the show. So that's just a little bit of a fun fact. And it kind of goes in really quick, you know, a a cadence here where you see the writer, and then all of a sudden you see this delivery guy. Joey essentially receives the new script at his apartment for the next episode and he is scripted to fall down the elevator shaft and he is bumming really hard. Yeah. Poor guy. I know. Do you remember what other, what other shows does the delivery cur- courier like play in? I feel like he looks really familiar he did- in like some... Okay. Go ahead. He did what? He, he looked
1: really familiar, but I can't like place it.
0: Oh, nope. I got it. His name is Brian Poston. He also plays in, I'm trying to find the neighborhood. Oh, Big Bang Theory. He plays in New Girl. Oh, it's New Girl. That's where we know him from. In New Girl, he plays the biology teacher. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: That makes sense. Okay. You,
0: you and I it. have oh. a mutual love for New Girl. So I knew, I was like, I know we know him from somewhere. Uh, yes. Okay. So the delivery courier is Brian Posen also plays in New Girl as the biology teacher. So that's awesome. Good, good little uh, connection there to another, another one of our beloved shows. Um, okay. So we go back to the girls' apartment and Richard and Monica kind of have continued what originally got started at the cafe. And they're talking about the talk, you know, how many people have you been with? Um, and Monica cannot believe that Richard has only slept with two women. She's like, have you seen you? <laughs> like, there's no way. And In Richard's attempt to, you know, get some information out of Monica, he's like, just give me a ballpark. You know, she goes to the bathroom. She's really trying to avoid this because she's obviously more than two. And she comes out, she says, I know it's definitely smaller than a ballpark and then goes back in. Well, from that conversation, we see that Ross also has gotten a little bit curious about his partner. And the talk moves across the apartment to the second couple in the room. So the conversation is now kindled for both of the couples in the girl's apartment. And we'll come back to where we find them in a little bit. So any, have you, have you ever had those conversations with boyfriends or guys of interest? I mean, do you feel like that's a normal thing that needs, you know, like kind of like a kind of write up? of passage for you know new relationships
1: i have not had that like exact conversation with the guy but i i feel like that's something that would happen in a relationship yeah i don't know how much like like how much weight it holds in a relationship really but right right just like in my own personal opinion like to me i don't think it would really matter so much but right Yeah. I feel like I've, like, this isn't the first time I've, like, heard people call it, like, oh, the talk, like, how many people have you been with? And so I feel like it's common.
0: Yeah. I, I've, I've definitely had those conversations, especially with, you know, guys that maybe I, I wasn't like in high school with at the time where like, maybe I was in high school, like I dated someone in college that was like, we were really serious and, literally he had bought a ring. We almost, like, he was just short of proposing pretty much. Um, and like, we had had that talk. And then I think at one time I was like interested in this guy and we just happened to like dive into that conversation. And I really, really wish that I had not told him because we were not seriously like We weren't together at all. We were just sort of like interested and maybe like flirting with the idea of it. And I was like, that person had no right really to know about any of that. It's almost like one of those things where, I don't know, how do you feel about that, like moving forward? Like, I know me and you are not dating and we have not dated seriously in quite some time. But like, how do you feel about that moving forward? Like when you do date, because like, I know you and you'll only date seriously. What's your, what's your thought on having that conversation? Is it, is it worth it? Like it's so much in your past. I don't know. What are your thoughts?
1: I don't know. I mean, I feel like, I feel like it's a valid question to ask, but I don't know. It's like one of those things that I, it is so far in the past that for me, at least, I don't know about him, but um, that it's like, I don't really even think about it anymore. So like, it doesn't even, doesn't even count in that sense. So I don't know. I mean, that's a good question because I haven't, you know, obviously there's nobody I'm dating right now. So it's not like in the forefront of my mind. Um, but th- I mean, that's, that's a good question. What about you? I'm undecided I uh I feel like
0: I feel like what is the real benefit of knowing
1: but also like at what point in the relationship do you have this conversation like these guys just started dating I know and like it's really not the conversation you have like on month two like (laughs) yeah right (laughs) totally you know so like I guess it depends on how serious it's getting
0: I think it depends on how serious, but I also just think think it depends on the couple. I just, I'm just wondering personally, like what benefit does it do me to figure out the history of my like partner?
1: Right. Just so I can be like, what see
0: that person? (laughs) Right. Like, is that going to feed insecurities? And if it is, it'd probably be better for me to not feed that, you know, like, and if it doesn't benefit our relationship at all, like if he still wanted them, he would be with them. So what's the point? I just don't know if I understand the point of finding out. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's like, I think everyone likes to have their own like sick need to know, but it really is kind of torturous because it does on insecurities because then you're comparing yourself to someone who's in their past. And then you judge yourself. I just don't think it's, I don't even, i now, as I'm talking this out, I just don't even know if that's a healthy thing to do, unless there are like, I'm sure there are random circumstances where it would behoove you to find out. Um, and we're not going to go into that in the show, but I just don't know if I, it would benefit me at all.
1: Right.
0: now that I'm thinking about it. Like I almost, I don't care. I don't care. You're with me. I'm not going to compare myself currently, your current person to a past person that you have since broken up with <laughs> and are no longer with. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's healthy, especially in a new relationship to go over that. You're like, you're already on your best behavior and try not to be insecure. And I just don't think it's, I think it's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> if you think differently out there, friends email us or tell us on social media. We want to hear your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's move on though. So we jump back over to the guy's apartment, and the argument ensues. All of a sudden, it has sort of escalated. Now Chandler has killed the fish, supposedly, and in their kind of banter, arguing back and forth, Chandler puts his hand on Eddie's shoulder, you know? and that—that that was a big pass for Eddie, wasn't it? Yeah, his.
1: I feel like his, like his every time we see Eddie again it's just like the meter of his psychoness just goes up <laughs> a little bit more you're right <laughs> I don't know if it's just because I've been watching too many like true crime or documentaries or whatever that like all I see when I see people like that is like you're gonna be a serial killer like yeah I just, I'm seeing it every time I was like all right Chandler you need to like leave you need to get out hide all the knives any blunt force object get yep. out of his house like anyways and we
0: haven't even seen like the culmination of eddie yet like that will come that will come in our next episode yeah. but we're not even like we're not even at the worst part of it yet and it's already exactly what you said yeah. like this person in if this were real life would be in 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 an insane asylum yep. or yep. wanted for murder for sure yeah. Uh, so when Chandler puts his hand on Eddie's arm, you can clearly see a uh, part of Matt Perry's middle finger that it's missing. Um, he lost it when it was accidentally shut in a door when he was three years old. Oh. Did you catch that? I did not catch that. You're gonna have to go back and watch it.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, okay. Hop back over to the girl's apartment again. And we drop back in on the conversation of Monica and Richard And okay. This is so frustrating. Monica has said her number off screen. I hate when they do that. It's like when they don't tell you what somebody makes in an episode of a show where they're like, they write the number on a piece of paper or like just little things like that. There's like, why wouldn't you say how much they make? Or why wouldn't you say that number? What number do you think it was? From, from Monica.
1: Because he makes it seem like it's not a big deal. So it's obviously not like, because at first, like when we hear Phoebe say like many, many, like my first thought was like, oh, double digits. But then right. when he's like, oh, it's really not that bad, I'm thinking, oh, it's probably less than 10, but more than two. So like three to nine.
0: Yeah. Okay. Here's something that's interesting. Here, here was my thought with the way that they worded it specifically. And it kind of, it, it has a little bit of a funny tie-in with a later joke that happens, which I'll get to later. But Richard mentions that he's like, I thought it was a fleet. And so I looked up the word fleet. Cause I said, you know, like what size is a fleet? Because I figured that would give us like a general idea. And so I found that it says fleet, as we use the term, means of course, this is a little different because, you know, of what it says, but it says means any commercial or public entity that operates 15 or more vehicles or buys 10 or more vehicles in a single single calendar year. So if you think about like 15, it'd have to be less than that. So my thought was just kind of like what you said, like maybe that 8 to 12 range. Yeah. Um, and I know they used it as you know, meaning like vehicles, which is usually what a fleet means. I mean, fleet is like how many ships or, you know, things like that. But so I figured if we looked up fleet, we'd kind of have a number. So I think me and you are both on the same page. Um, it's probably that eight to 10 or eight to 12. And I'd say maybe a good guess would be 10. That sounds about, that sounds about right for yeah. a late twenties. Yeah. Yeah. With a little fun in college and a couple serious Yeah, it sounds like. Um, And in in this dialogue, Richard inadvertently tells Monica that he loves her.
1: Yep.
0: Because he says, I've only slept with the women I'm in love with. She said, But you've only slept with two women. He's like, Yep. And so she tells him uh, she loves him as well. And all is like fun and. Sexy from there on out for them. Well, until the end, because on the other end of the apartment, the argument is not going well. Ross is super whiny. And did you realize that Ross told her that he's only had two lovers, but it's actually three Carol, Julie, and now her?
1: Right.
0: So, one, Ross is a liar, or maybe it was just a you know, bad writing prompt on the show. And the, of course, Ross's main sticking point is Paolo. It's Paolo. Always Paolo. Yeah. Okay. So talk about that for a second.
1: Yeah. Um. Well, I don't think we mentioned it earlier when he had asked her and she walked through all the people. Mm-hmm. And Paolo was the last one. And, you know, he, of course, gets this whole demeanor <laughs> of, like, oh, of course, Paolo, Um and she's like why like if nothing like she's like we didn't really do anything it really wasn't anything but animal sex
0: right Which
1: then sets ross off because he's like animal sex like well we don't have animal sex and then he gets all insecure and it's the classic like ross is like down, <laughs> and rachel's trying to like bring his spirits back up and then Uh, which she finally tells him like well yeah well, with Paula that's all it was but like with you it's intimacy and love and whatever else she said which then in Ross's mind is like oh well then I'm the bigger guy I'm better and you know the rest happens (laughs) all I'm
0: gonna uh, say is Ross's main point to try and ask if they even even have like a remotely hot and steamy uh like intimate part of their relationship chipmunk sex <laughs> i'm just gonna i'm just gonna leave that there
1: <laughs> <Are you surprised? laughs>
0: so he kind of realizes he is the main guy and so both girls run into the bathroom and there's only one condom left they find themselves in a little bit of a conundrum
1: okay pause pause i have so many issues with this moment because oh tell me everything (laughs) okay like not like issues i guess but kind of issues first why are the condoms in the bathroom not the bedroom like it would just make more sense to have them by your bedroom because you're not having sex in the bathroom
0: Mm
1: -hmm. i I don't know i don't know these guys but and also why are the girls the ones supplying the condoms (laughs) like I like The whole whole scene happens because the whole point of the scene is there's only one condom left so they fight over it. But like, shouldn't, if you guys are wanting to have sex, shouldn't you be bringing those to the apartment? You would think? I don't know. That's like all I could think of and I get it was like a funny point in the show but it just didn't, it felt very unrealistic. Like I feel like these people would have been mature enough to have it in their bedroom and Ross and Richard would have brought them with them.
0: Yeah. Okay. I have a thought on that. Okay. It's previously stated in the last episode, the one where Eddie moves in that Monica uses a diaphragm for birth control. So she wouldn't have had to fight Rachel for the last condom, but it's also stated in that episode that Monica has misplaced her diaphragm. So it's entirely plausible that she hasn't really yet had time to replace it. So there, therefore she could really be in dire need of a condom. And what kind of proves this is that Monica also doesn't know where they are. Like Rachel has to tell her, which also kind of supports the idea that Monica usually uses a diaphragm, but is now in need of backup protection. Right. So I guess when it comes down to it, based on what you just said, it's more on Rachel, like Rachel, if these are yours, why aren't they in your bedroom? <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: I I get it from a standpoint on if like as they were grocery shopping they also went in on condoms together as like a roommate whatever. Mm-hmm. But but the fact that Monica typically uses something else makes me think that they're actually really Rachel's and then but Rachel why would you like you really want to leave your room so that so you have a really great point because the bathroom doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, and, and while the girls are in the bathroom, the <laughs> <laughs> Ross comes out and does that really weird dinosaur. <laughs> uh. Oh my gosh. And he finds out that Richard is out there too. And it's so funny. Cause it's like, they're both in heat, you know, cause they're all like half in the mood and then, but they're also the uncomfortable, <laughs> like very, very uncomfortable. It's like The worst small talk ever. <laughs> they're both like in their boxers it's just like so awkward <laughs> um okay at, at one point I can't remember if it was this this time or the later time but Ross asks Richard if he was in Vietnam it was this time. um is it this time
1: yeah it was it was right before it panned back to the girls and they did the rock paper scissors and then when it came back they walk out yes. of the classroom and the guys are like deep in this conversation
0: okay got it then I did put it in the right place so Tom Selig served in the 160th Infantry in the California Army National Guard during the Vietnam era from 67 to 73, but was never deployed to Vietnam. Wow. Uh, so that's kind of a little fun gist. Um, essentially, they're so awkward that they get into beard combing, you know, <laughs> and then the girls are bartering in the bathroom. They come out, the guys are arguing. And in that argument, I do have to say, Richard is correct. Deer Hunter was John Savage losing his legs and coming home was John Voight as paralyzed. So just to settle the score, Richard was definitely right. I think it's funny that in, any type of argument that Ross gets himself in, he always seems to be on the losing side, especially like the one with Phoebe when she ended up breaking him down to realize that maybe his one way of thinking wasn't the ultimate way. Um, so I feel like that kind of happens often, but, uh, so Rachel has won, and, you know, as a courtesy next time, uh, Richard asks Monica if he, he could see the schedule beforehand um, of, of when they are and are not allowed <laughs> to have sex. Um, so that was really funny. So back in the girls apartment again, essentially we're you know showing a change of day. Chandler's complaining to the group about Eddie and how like accusatory he is. but the main part of this scene is that they start watching the show without Joey. They don't understand why he's late but they're like what well, we'll, we'll just start it. He already knows about it anyways. And Joey is so bitterly acting this scene out <laughs> that it's, that it's so fun to watch. Fun. He like, you thought it even, was fun to watch? It was funny
1: to watch. It was so painful to me. I'm like, this is terrible.
0: <laughs> His acting?
1: His acting, the way they had him die, like all of it.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, what's funny is that he's like, do you want to get on the elevator? Do you want to get on the elevator? Yeah. Like, you know, he just ad ab- li- ablived that in real time. And then the guy's like, nope, just you. <laughs> like, trying to, trying to get the actor Joey in line for his character, Dr. Drake, you know, like, in real time, trying to, like, auto-correct him a little. Um, so uh, what's, what's funny is that when Dr. Ramore falls down the shaft... It's a six second fall, which means based on, you know, velocity on the way down, he fell approximately 580 feet before hitting the bottom, which would equate to about a 50 story hospital, which is so unrealistic. Have you ever seen a 50 story hospital? No, no. They're like, what, maybe seven floors, maybe.
1: I mean, you might get one that has like 10 floors, but. Yeah.
0: Like maybe in the bigger cities and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So they find out that, Oh no, like they just kill Joey off. So they run over to Joey's apartment and they really are coming to like, you know, comfort him. And Monica has to use the bathroom of course. But what, what struck me was that Joey said, you know, they're, Oh, well maybe they'll bring him back. And they said, no, like they said that it was so like smashed in or whatever that they said the only doctor that can say that could save him was him. And have you ever watched Grey's Anatomy? <laughs>
1: oh, I love it. That's
0: does good. that not sound like, does that not sound like the whole conundrum with uh, McDreamy?
1: Oh, it a hundred percent is. But the, the writers of Grey's Anatomy did that on purpose because her and Patrick Dempsey got in such an argument that she wanted to kill him off in a way that was so ironic yeah I'm like that it's so frustrating because he oh it's just annoying anyways
0: and 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 that's so petty it's so petty but like Shonda like Shonda you petty girl you're so petty (laughs) yeah
1: but you a great writer so keep going
0: (laughs) (laughs) I uh I haven't seen any new episodes after episode or season 13 I don't think and it's because I I flew through them all so fast and and then once I caught up I was like well I don't want to watch this week to week I want to keep binging so yeah. I just stopped. And then once they, once they're done or once they have their final season or something, I'll, um, I'll binge through the rest of them. Cause I know a lot has happened since I've last seen it. So,
1: yeah.
0: but anyways, okay. Uh, the proof in Joey's mind that he made it like his one, like identifier that he has risen to the top, the cream of, you know, the cream of the crop, so to speak, is that he was pre-approved for a credit card <laughs> and he has never been pre-approved for anything. And of course, Rachel, they give this throwaway line. That's like, you know, you're always pre-approved with us. And he's like, no, that means Jack squat to me. Like, I don't care about that at all. Um, we go back to the guy's apartment and it's Eddie, Eddie and Chandler, And Eddie is being weirdly nice in a way that's unsettling, really. And
1: again, seriously.
0: Yes. Yes. And it gets really weirdly worse. Yeah. He says, I've got a new fish and the camera does this like really good camera work where it doesn't really let you see it like in real time. You wait until Chandler puts his head all the way near it for the camera to pan with him just to keep the suspense off the camera. And uh, we find out that he has put a goldfish in the tank and named it Chandler. What the heck?
1: I thought Chandler's reaction was perfect. It's just slowly like you looking at him and he's like, that's a goldfish cracker <laughs> and then like turns around and walks into his room
0: <laughs> yes so they are really you know we're, we're seeing that there is a lot to Eddie I think you know the most exciting episode when it comes to Eddie is definitely the next episode but they have whipped out the crazy on Eddie real fast yeah. in this episode he went from joking to all of a sudden um, you know, talking about his girlfriend and now we have descended into just chaos essentially in, uh, Eddie's mind. So the tag then is kind of a a replay of the previous, you know, previous scene in the girl's apartment. Now the guys are the ones on the hunt and they both find themselves back in the living room together. But now instead of them being in their own boxers, they are both in their own girlfriend's robes. Yeah. And seeing Tom Selleck in a robe, knowing that both of them are tall. Those, those, both of those guys are tall guys. Yeah, they are. And to see guys in robes are not sexy. Would you agree or disagree?
1: I mean in girls robes no um I didn't mind when Chandler was in a robe
0: (laughs) yes but he also had his shirt on underneath
1: that's true yes like yeah if he's clothed and it's just like an accessory like thrown over yes agree but
0: or like I'd even take knowing that they've got boxers on underneath but yeah and, and obviously, the actors definitely did because you don't want any mishaps. But in real life, you're you're probably not running out there with a bunch of clothes on,
1: right?
0: You're like at the peak, and you're like, before we take this literally any step further, I have to go grab this from the bathroom. So the the fact that these just the idea of guys being in robes with nothing on underneath, and just the flap being It's a very thin line between it, like coming open versus like those things aren't clasped together. You're banking on the fact that the robe ties and is kind of sticking to its own self in the fabric so that it doesn't come undone. And just the idea of their manliness, just being right there just does not, it seems very vulnerably weird for a guy to be found in that position. To me, I don't know what that is. Do you get where I'm coming from? Or are you like, I don't know what you mean?
1: I mean I get it, but I guess I don't fully get how it's <laughs> different for a girl.
0: Yeah. I mean, a girl in a robe I think is a lot like makes more sense to me, but for some reason guys in robes with their with their danglies like right right on the other side of a little thin flap of fabric just seems weird. I get
1: it. I get
0: it. It just doesn't seem like manly attractive, you know.
1: No, but on the front- I don't know. It's just what you got, what you grab.
0: (laughs) True. True. All right. Anything else about the episode now that we are wrapping that part up? Nope. I think I'm good. Overall, it was a good episode. How would you rate it in our patented trademarked episode rating system?
1: I think you should go first. because I feel like I go first a lot.
0: That is accurate. You do always go first because I'm usually narrating and I like to kick it off to you. So. I will go first, even though I have no time, have had no time to think about it. I have neither, so we're on. Um, side. so kind of shooting from the hip here, I would say that this was a this was a a central perk.
1: Wow. You are I, so generous.
0: I thought that all of the story all of the storylines are good. Like there's no throwaway, like plot line here at all. Rachel, like Rachel and Ross, you know, navigate the storm of a relational, you know, spat. The same one that Monica and Richard are navigating through and they all do it really well. Joey gets kicked off his own show in a very ironic way that is because of joey's own inability to recognize his like the consequences of his own words and like the whole eddie and chandler story bit that's that's one of the most iconic honestly for for friends like when i asked elizabeth you know last week she talked to us well it wasn't our last week but for the last real episode that we did um sorry to star that's not a, a dig against you guys obviously it was a real episode <laughs> but um that you know when our main show notes one she mentioned she had thought that the episode she was getting in on was going to be crazy eddie and because we're getting that crazy eddiness it's just such a fun element and because he's so over the top like serial killer vibes I just think that all three storylines are very strong. Move the characters forward. Highly, highly, highly entertaining. I'm. I honestly just. I think. I think it's. I want it. I. I want to give it a higher rating, but because I'm normally not that generous, I'm just not going to. But I would say that it's a solid Central Park. Cool, that's
1: really nice right. of you. So I mean, that's.
0: It is. I've only rated it an eight, well, a central perk, like I think once, one other time, and it was you and me together.
1: Yeah.
0: Wow. All right. What about you?
1: Okay. Um, I think I'm going to go with, oh gosh. Um, <laughs> I think I'm going to go with a seven, seven, seven. I can't wait till we see that episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think I'm going to go with that. And I have to I have to give a disclaimer. I when we were done watching the episode, like before we started recording, I honestly thought I was like I didn't really care for this episode. And I think it's because I can't stand Eddie so much that I just like wanted to like not even think about the episode. Wow. I know, but but listen. Obviously I cared a little bit more if I gave it a 7 um as we were talking about it like uh and like scene by scene everything you said like really did make sense to me there were the only character we really didn't get any anything from was or about was Phoebe which happens often I feel like um yeah but you're right when you say that there were three very strong like plot points and Mm -hmm. all three of them like held equal merit I felt yeah and I think that's something that we don't see all the time but when it happens it's like it is a standout episode yeah I feel like yeah it just it was a well-rounded episode and now like you know I'm removed a little bit of time from actually watching it and we got to talk about it I could see Mm -hmm. like little things even more um and especially because, like the the title of the episode was the one where Drake Ramore dies, which is an important part, but it wasn't like the focus of the episode. So I don't know. I like how it it had that like sad, sad angle from like Joey, Joey's failure almost to mm-hmm. like, the excitement of like the I love yous and their passion to the psychoness of Eddie and Chandler, and just. I feel like all of those together, like all these different emotions, you're like, I don't know what to feel in this episode. Um, But I just thought it was good. And Phoebe, I mean, she was there and she like kind of held her own in every single scenario. But yeah, it was good. It was better better than I expected after we talked about it.
0: Yeah, Phoebe's definitely the brunt of the show. Like she is the one that gets, you know, the kickoff if, you know, there's not enough time to a lot for, you know, her in there, wouldn't you agree that typically, you know, there's usually three storylines happening all at the same time. And even in the strongest episodes, usually one of the storylines isn't as substantial, but because the other ones are so good, it kind of offsets that third, you know, non-primary one. Yeah. And I think typically it's because that one needs it it has to be shorter because they give less time to it. And because of that shortness of time, they probably don't have really a lot of time to give it a lot of weight so that it can carry its own as the third, you know, sort of priority storyline. It's sort of on the last of the totem pole, but I would agree with you, even though the, the Joey storyline is probably the one that gives the least gets the least amount of weight it's definitely the third on the you know the third on the wrong it still is so it, it still is so complete of a story that it definitely holds its own which I think is like it kind of is that perfect trifecta where I think being able to do that with having it be the shortest running of the three stories makes it kind of like you know it makes me think of like the bar stool where you've got three even legs that you're kind of, you know, setting this episode on and it and all three can really hold their own, even though, you know, that one doesn't have as much time given to it. So I say, well done for this episode. I almost want to rate it higher, but not quite,
1: not quite,
0: not quite, but it was, I liked it a lot. So I'm sure we'll get a little bit crazier next week when we um, talk about Eddie, but um okay post show so that gets us to our recommend to a friend I saw you had a good one on here Llewellyn yeah so was this a look around your house real quick and find something for the episode
1: (laughs) (laughs) well this was a I'm sitting on my couch we're about ready to watch this episode and oh crap what is my recommend to a friend (laughs) um and I had actually just used it to make tea so um it was perfect but I okay so I'll go first I would recommend to a friend and I guess it okay yeah I guess the brand to me didn't matter but this is the one I have so I'm gonna just go for it but um a Bodum Gooseneck Electric Kettle so I I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast yet. I know that everybody knows I love coffee um and I don't own like a standard drip coffee pour thing or whatever like most households have, like that or Keurig. Um, I make all of mine like pour over style. Um, I just have like inherited all of these different coffee things. And I, that's how I drink my coffee. So in order to do a proper pour over, you need a kettle or or a gooseneck like tea kettle. Um, And I have one for like my stove, but it drives me nuts to like have to boil my water on the stove. I don't know why, I just can't stand it. Um, So I finally broke down and bought myself an electric kettle and I splurged a little bit and got one that had the built-in gooseneck. So then that way I didn't have to do the whole like, let me boil water and then pour it into my like nicer tea kettle or whatever. So all of that to say, I bought it, it like literally boils in maybe like three minutes. So I usually... As soon as I get out of bed, I start boiling water. And then by the time I'm like done brushing my teeth and getting dressed, like my water's ready, make my coffee out the door. It is literally my favorite, most favorite thing. And it's like a matte black finish. So it looks super sharp. Oh, like, I like nice. I've been terrible at like keeping up my um, stainless steel kettle before. So like it got all the hard water on the inside, but this one I'm like devoted to, okay, once a week, I'm going to clean it with vinegar so it doesn't get hard water buildup and all of that. So I'm super excited. So if you're looking for a tea kettle, I highly recommend the Bodum Gooseneck Electric Kettle. Boils quick. It's great. I love it.
0: I'm literally googling it right now because as soon as you said matte black, <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling
1: that would get you.
0: I was like, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's
1: not um, super expensive either. When I say splurge, I think it was like thirty-five on Amazon when I bought it.
0: So yeah, that, that thing looks sharp. It's nice. Is it? Uh, does it have that like cork handle on the top? Yep. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that thing looks sharp for sure.
1: Nice. I'm excited
0: awesome good for you that's a good one I feel like that's the first not the first one but like one of the ones you've got like really passionate about also do you always do you always drink tea? where does this tea thing come from?
1: um no, I occasionally drink tea um, I drink a lot of coffee and there are some nights where it's like eight o'clock at night and I really want like right now I would really love to go drink some coffee, but I probably shouldn't so I I have like decaf tea that I drink.
0: Nice. That's a solid.
1: I actually started liking Earl Grey tea because of you.
0: Yes. So. Maybe that's what that's, maybe that should be my recommend to a friend and I'll move what I was going to say to the next, to the next week. What Earl Grey tea? Yes. You Guys, were- I'm doing it. I'm calling an audible. I'm literally copying and pasting what I was going to recommend to next week. And you know what that means? That means you're going to have to come back next week to hear my recommend to a friend. It's a good one guys. It is a good one. Um, all right. Copy and paste it over. I am going to recommend Earl gray tea. Here's the thing guys. I love lavender yep. and I love bergamot apparently because Earl gray tea. It's the only tea that I'll drink without anything in it and actually enjoy it while, um, but even just putting in some creamer, like it is the best thing. And when it's infused with some lavender as well, it gives this little extra, and and the lavender is not strong at all. I, I probably couldn't pick it out if I didn't know that there was lavender in it, but there's something about Earl Grey tea that makes you feel sophisticated and British, and <laughs> people are like, "This is not selling me at all <laughs> um, no, but it tastes so good. It's hearty enough for like Llewellyn said, if you want a coffee, you don't feel like you're getting some weak herbal tea that tastes like infused water um. It, it actually has some heartiness to it. And when you pour in some sort of heavy cream or I know Llewellyn that you don't drink actual dairy anymore. So I don't know if you put anything in it, but I don't even put sugar in mine um, because I just like the authenticity of the flavor of it. But I do like the creamy, the creaminess to me makes it seem um, like it adds to the, the richness of the flavor. So So there's like the richness of the flavor with with Earl Grey, but also partnering that with like a heavy cream or, you know, a milk um, makes it just very, um, like it makes it heavier to drink, which then makes it seem more full, like a full body beverage, which is kind of what you're missing. If you don't have coffee, even though coffee and tea are made exactly the same way, but for some reason. Not exactly. You know what I mean though? Like it's, it's, you put it in water and it infuses it and that's what you're drinking. It's they're made the same way essentially, but there's something about that tea that gives you enough richness that it's a good coffee alternative Mm -hmm. still has a lot of caffeine in it. But if you've got decaf, then obviously that that's helpful too. Yeah. So there's my audible Earl gray, highly recommend to a friend. And you can have that Earl gray in a bodum gooseneck electric kettle.
1: Boom
0: did it. Boom. Awesome. Well, that then wraps up Mike Drops our episode. We will catch you Nope, that's your line. Next week we're going to cover You can keep that all in. Next week we're going to cover the one where Eddie won't go. Uh,
1: Eddie, get out. Eddie,
0: just leave.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. We will catch you next week on the one with Friends podcast.